And welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. So glad you could join us alongside Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. You could also chime in via Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. We're going to be hearing from new Giants safety Antoine Bethay in a little bit. So we're looking forward to that. But let's start, Jeff, with the news of the day. And that is that Dave Gettleman yesterday spoke to the media. He had a conference call with reporters, and he made the rounds with multiple radio interviews, and this was the first time that he spoke since the Odell Beckham trade. And before we get to that, just want to remind you, Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes. So he provided a few more details as to the timeline, Jeff, leading up to the Odell Beckham trade. And what he had mentioned is that the Giants were not shopping Odell Beckham. They were fielding offers because teams were calling and they were interested. And it got to the point where Cleveland made an offer in their minds that they couldn't refuse, which was ultimately the deal. And he only said that when Buffalo, there were rumors that they were inching closer, if you recall, to a deal with Antonio Brown and the Steelers, and that fell through. He then called up Brandon Bean because Brandon Bean was an assistant GM under Gettleman in Carolina and sort of gave him a hard time. Well, if you're going after Antonio Brown... Do you perhaps have any interest in Odell Beckham? That was the gist of him pursuing teams. Everything else was them receiving the calls and determining whether or not it was the right move to make. Yeah, and evidently they got what they wanted because Odell's not here. And um, I did read some of the transcripts of that interview. And one thing that I thought was right on, a couple things. Uh, number one is that if you are the guy that's, that's asking for the trade, you automatically are, getting, are going to get less than if you were just sitting back listening. Because for, you don't have the leverage. In exactly. That so that's that was the point you were making. I mean, they made one attempt, and that was with the Bills, and then they just sat back and started listening to what was going on. And um, the Cleveland Browns, well, listen, they came through and gave them what they thought was enough. And I think they also said that, you know, when you talk about Odell Beckham a year ago and franchising him, did somebody to come after him and get him would have been two first round draft picks. In essence, they got more than that because they're saying they got the 17th pick and they also got a, a first rounder in Jabril Peppers and they got a third round pick. So that's kind of the, the thinking about it. But yeah, I mean, I it's listen, it's, it's one of those things where it was too good for them to pass up. Um, I believe that a lot of times in these situations, teams need, need they say to themselves, listen, for the player and for the team, um, sometimes it's it's time. It's time to move on, and we got what we what we feel is 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 good, and maybe it's better for both sides to just an amicable split. See you later. And that's what they did. And he also mentioned you can't evaluate a trade. In fairness, Jeff, until we see how things play out. Well, you know what? You can't. But who who who? What's gonna that that seventeenth pick that they got? You know, that's a chess piece. What are they gonna use it for? Are they going to use it as a pick? Are they going to use it for a trade, uh, to trade up, to trade down? I don't know. So you're right. We can't really speculate on what it is until it, it, it something like this happens. Jabril Peppers, if he comes and plays as good as Landon Collins did the last four years and goes to three Pro Bowls and is an All-Pro, then I think then they did pretty good. Well, speaking of the safety position, Jeff, yeah. a perfect transition because we are now joined by one of the newest additions to the Giants secondary, also plays the safety position, three-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ, and that is none other than Antoine Buffet. Antoine, you got Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegels with you here on Giants.com, Big Blue Kickoff Live. Appreciate the time. How's everything today? Oh, everything's going good. Appreciate you guys having me. 
Absolutely. Well, you are one of the newest members of the New York Giants. You certainly have familiarity with James Betcher because of your ties with him in Arizona. But Antoine, why was this an ideal fit as you got set to pursue free agency for you to join this organization? Well, I think, uh, you know, when you reach free agency, uh, it's a couple of things that you uh, that you look at. Um, and I think one for me was, like you said, with James Betcher being in D.C., uh, me being familiar with the system. Um, obviously, you know, um, with the team um, not resigning, uh, Landon Collins, obviously, it was a, uh, a gap there at the position. So um, I figured it would be a good fit for me. And Todd, so, I, you know, when Betcher's, when, when Landon Collins leaves here, it, there's a big void in many ways. You got a locker room and more importantly on the field. You know, that position uh, commands a lot of leadership. You got to know the defense. You got to line guys up. Um, I think that's one of the big reasons why you're here in the New York with the New York Giants now is your your ability to do those types of things. How fast, even though you didn't play in the system, you know his system recently. How fast do you think you'll be able to get get caught up with everything that's going on with James Betcher's defense? You know, I think I'll be able to get up uh, get caught up pretty quickly. You know, uh, I've been I've been in this league going on 14 years. Um, defenses are defenses, you know. I mean, three, four, four, three. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of a lot of the defenses are um, three, four defenses are, are are similar. I think the biggest thing is just learning the, t- the terminology, and um, I think once I get back into the, to the classroom and hearing the terminology, I think he'll uh, come back fairly quickly for me. Antoine, as Jeff just alluded to, and even general manager Dave Gettleman said this in multiple interviews, one of the appealing aspects of bringing somebody like you in is because of your experience on the back end of a defense, being able to get the defense aligned. You've worked with a variety of safeties during the course of your career with the Colts, the Niners, and the Cardinals. How important, from the fans' perspective, they may not see the ins and outs of what goes on communication-wise with a defense, but how important is that back-end safety role in being the eyes and ears for the rest of the defense, uh, it's uh, it's very important. It's just like being a quarterback um, on the offense. You know, you have typically you have your your linebacker who will help get the front um, in order, but then you know you need that safety um, back there to also help with the linebacker, and then also being able to get his counterparts um, in the back end lined up as well. So um, it's very important being able to communicate. Um, but it's also important to have a, a good nucleus of guys that's out there on the field um, with each other um, enough so they can get a, a feel of how they can play off one another. So, um, again, I'm excited to be out there. I'm excited for the role um, that I expect uh, to play out there. So, you know, once I get out there, you know, I can do what I do. It's kind of exciting that you're going to be able to play along Jabril Peppers. You know, he's a local guy from around here uh my son's played high school football around here, and they, you know, when he was in high school, he was a beast. I'm telling you what. Not only was he on defense, he played offense too. But I mean, give me a little bit of uh, what you think about Jabril and how excited you are to play, uh, you know, along with him this year. You know, first and foremost, you know, um, I'm a fan of the game, so obviously, um, you know, I, I watch ball. Um, I watched Jabril when he was at Michigan, and then obviously, you know, when he got to Cleveland, um, like you said, very versatile. He can do a lot. He can play in the box. He can blitz. He can cover, um, and I think that's another another good acquisition, um, you know, by the Giants. So I'm very excited to, to play alongside him, um, to be a um, you know mentor to him, uh, help him uh, bring his game along. But uh, there's a lot of things that he can do in the field um, that can help this team. 
We're talking with one of the newest members of the New York Giants, safety Antoine Bethea, three-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ, just recently signed with the Giants. And Antoine, you just laid out some of the appealing aspects of Jabril Pepper's game. And, you know, whenever people evaluate safeties in today's NFL, it seems it's easy to label them, to your point, an in-the-box safety, a center fielder. But it seems as if the game has evolved so much that secondary players are moved around. You see safeties being moved into the slot, playing corner. How much have you seen the game change that it's at the point where it's almost unfair, Antoine, to just put a person like yourself, a player who plays your position, into just one category. No, nah, I've seen the game change a lot. When I came, when I came into the game in um, '06, it was typically, you know, you'll have your typical strong safety, um, you know, and and it's, you know, really strong safety really doesn't mean that he's always in the box. It's just that strong side of safety. Free safety typically means you're the weak side of safety, but. At times, you know, you have a safety that's a box, a box safety. You know, where it was bigger, um, bigger, bigger types of, uh, of safeties that play like linebackers, and then you had your, your, um, your post safety. But now, like you said, it's, um, it's so much things. There's so many things that's going on. The way the, um, the way these different type of offenses are coming into the league, you gotta have guys who, who's able to move around, like you said, come down guard, tight ends, guard, slot receivers, being able to, um you know, uh, stress the field and, and, and get out of the post. So you, you got to have some versatile safeties, um, you know, that can play hand-in-hand. And, and, and when you have that, it helps your defense out a lot. Uh, Antoine, I, I, had, I played a few years in the league, so I know 14 <laughs> is a long time. Um, I'm, I, yeah. I know there's a lot of things you do once you hit your 30s. Um, tell us a little bit about how, you know, how you are so successful being on the field, which is an asset – to any football team, let alone the Giants, because, you know, if you're not on the field, you're not any good. So, I mean, tell us a little bit about how you take care of your body and what's enabled you to play as long as you have. Uh, man, I just think it's, um, it's a year-round process. You know, you mm-hmm. talk about the all season, it's really not all season. So, um, like you said, you know, I think the biggest thing that I um, that one of my coaches always told me, like you just said, your best ability is your availability. Mm-hmm. So, I, 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 that's, I, you know, keep that close to my heart. And, um, you know, I want the coaches and my peers to be able to depend on me to be out there. So um, I do a lot, man, you know, as far as diet-wise, um, my intake on the food, you know, and then a lot of things just off the field, you know, getting massages, um, yoga, Pilates, just keeping, your, you know, keeping the flexibility the, um, flexibility there and just staying healthy, man. And, um, you know, I know it's a, it's a lot of talk about, you know, why we find this dude that's coming in, he'll be 35. But um, for me, I just say you've got to look at it on an individual basis, you mm-hmm. know. Um, you can you can still have a 25 year old um, that's playing, and you know, it's it's just you know every everything you got to look at an individual basis. And I appreciate the Giants trusting in me to come in and be an athlete to this team, and you know, I'm sure the Giants fan, um, you know, that it wasn't a a, a bad signing. No, I don't think it's going to be a bad signing. I think you know one thing know. that that Dave Gettleman. You know, he prides himself on a lot of the people that he brings in here, not only from free agency, but from the draft. Is And any any good football team has to be built on good character. And so, you know, this, you sound to me like you're a guy that's, that has good character. Um, and that's why you're here. I mean, this is the this is one of the one of the re- prerequisites of coming and being a New York Giant is having good character, not only being a great football player, but good in the locker room, good in the community. And I think that you're going to fit that bill. And I think you're going to fit in very, very nicely here. And the fans are going to really love enjoy watching you on Sundays. That's for sure. No, I appreciate that. 
Well, and one of the things that we started off the interview with, Antoine, is which I think is going to be a big resource for this defense, your familiarity with James Betcher's scheme. But it's not just your familiarity with the scheme, Antoine. It's also the fact that you've had experience playing with Marcus Golden, Olsen Pierre, and even Kareem Martin, who was with the Giants last year and is going to be coming back. And the reason I bring that up, and Jeff and I talked about this on a previous show, sometimes it takes when a new defensive coordinator comes in a year or two for everybody to truly get comfortable. The fact that you already have a grasp of the scheme as well as a number of your new teammates how much do you think the three or four of you can help the new guys that are just becoming acclimated with this defense considering you have somewhat of a head start no I think it was, um, it's going to pay dividends you know um, like you say it normally takes um, a team you know a full year or two to really get acclimated and know the little nuances within the defense to be able to move around and like you said, having three to four people, four people that's played in the defense before, I think can help um, move that process along. You know, even with the defense, um, you know, playing how they played last year, and then like you said, adding four players that um, that's been in the been in the system before. I think it's going to pay dividends, and I think you know we'll we'll all be able to help each other out. Well, I mean, you guys, the years that uh, James Betcher's defense have been, you know, we were so excited that, that this was going to be a reoccurring thing. Unfortunately, last year it wasn't, but there's no, there's no reason why this defense can't get back to those years that he coached at Arizona when, you know, those were the top five defenses of those defenses that, that coach Betcher had. What is the main, was it a, was it more the physicality of the defense? Was it the finesse? Was it, was it the intelligence? Give me a little bit of insight on what made those, those defenses become a top five defenses under coach Betcher? I think it was, um, it was everything, you know, obviously, you know, you got to have the right, um, the right pieces to the puzzle, you know, had the right pieces to the puzzle, um, the placement of those players. And then from there, you know, just the attacking style um, of the, of a defense, you know, um, you know, I think offense will always know like, okay, they're going to come after us. Um, but then, like you say, you have a small players on the defense, being able to move around, um, being able to know what's coming, anticipate the formations and things that's nature. So okay. I think it's just at the end of the day, like all football teams are, it's about that culture. So the culture, the defense was already set where, okay, this is solid defense that we are. Um, if you can't come in and do what we need you to do, you can't play. So I think that's one of the things that I think Coach Bess is trying to get. Um, just get that mindset, get that culture um, on that wall the right way. And, um, everything can and be the way we want it to be. We're talking with one of the newest members of the New York Giants, safety Antoine Bethea, three-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ. And we brought up Jabril Peppers earlier, who obviously you'll be playing alongside. Considering you've had to build chemistry, Antoine, with a variety of safeties during your career, how does that process go about? What are the things that you look for in Jabril? What are the things that he's going to look for in you for you to get on that same page once the start of the season comes? I think the biggest thing, man, you just got to let those things happen naturally. Um, you can't force. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, I have a respect for him. I think he'll be vice versa. So it's just one of those things, you know, sitting beside each other um, in the meeting room, um, talking, having dialogue of, okay, what do you see? What do I see? Um, you know, his experiences, my experiences. And from there, it's just on the field, just, just talking. And, um, and obviously, you know, off the, field, off the field as well, you know, going out to eat. Um, knowing about personal life, him knowing about my personal life, so you know it's just not a it's just not a um, a coworker thing. It's a, it's about building brotherhood, and you know once we once we do all those things, I think on build some natural as far as um, both of us being uh, being football players. So I don't have any worries about 
um, we'll be able to play off one another of that nature. So it'll, it'll, it'll um. Well, before we let you go, I think it's very interesting, Antoine, when we look over the course of your career, you're now going to mm-hmm. have the luxury of saying you played with both Manning brothers because <laughs> you're with Peyton in Indianapolis, Antoine. Now you're with Eli here in New York. I'm curious, are you going to consult Peyton for some advice on maybe getting an interception off of Eli during the course of practice? <laughs> How is that scouting process going to play out here? <laughs> nah, man, I'm going to just let it rock, man, and I'm just going to go out there and do my thing, go to work. I'm happy to be uh, a teammate of Eli's. Uh, a lot of respect for him, a lot of the respect for the work that he's done while he's um, been in this league. So just excited, man, to be a, be a teammate. One last follow-up related to the offense, Antoine, because clearly, you know, you have familiarity with the defense, but when you pursue free agency, and you've been through that a few times, when you look at the makeup of the team, you consider the culture, how much do you also take into consideration the potential and the outlook of what the other side of the ball could present here, specifically with respect to the offense? Um, yeah, of course I look at that. You know, I'll be, I'll be lying to you if I didn't. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a, it's a a team sport, you know. Um, you also come to a team looking looking to win, um, and you need all three phases to play well in order to do that. So yeah, I wouldn't. Um, I, of course, I, I look at the side of the ball, but at the end of the day, I got to come in and I got to do my job. That's the most important thing. He is Antoine Bethay, the newest member of the Giants secondary, three-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ. Antoine, congratulations on joining the Giants organization. Looking forward to following your career here in New York and looking forward to interacting with you down the road. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, Antoine. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Absolutely. That is Antoine Bethay once again joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, the newest safety here in the mix for the Giants and spoke about his familiarity with the defense and the fact that he looks like he easily will embrace, not that it's a surprise, Jeff, that quarterback captain-esque position on the back end of the defense because it's nothing new for him. He's been put in that position in various defenses thus far. Well, he's, he's a salty veteran. Yeah. I mean, 14 years, you know, four years a veteran too, but add another 10 to that. I mean, the guy understands football. He understands the leadership. He's been in this position before. He's going to command the respect of the younger guys on the team because he's a three-time Pro Bowler. He's a Super Bowl champion, um, and he's a he's a veteran in Betcher's defense. And and really, you can't tell me that James Betcher at the end of the season didn't take the the free agent list and start checking off names on there that he would love to get to play in his system, um, specifically. And I I've been. To telling you about this for months now about my my concern and my biggest thing for free agency in the draft is this position i've said that the safety position to me is the most important on the defense in my opinion i know pass rushers yeah this that but the the, the giants need they need some some playmakers back there i mean landon collins is a good player landon collins doesn't have a lot of he does not a lot of playmaking ability he did one against the dolphins in london that year that was amazing but the fact is is that the two guys that are going to be back there for the Giants this year, those are playmakers. Antoine Patea is a playmaker. He led his team in interceptions one year for the Cardinals. I think it was the Cardinals, wasn't it? Yeah, or, it was. No, it was the Cardinals. Right. Yeah, he had five. So, I mean, he's a ball hawk. Jabril Peppers, we know, is, is a freak athlete. Um, you know, he's going to make some plays, and too. And a special teamer, by the way. To boot. I mean, he's going to, you know, depending on how much they're going to play him, him being a starter... Um, I don't know, but we'll see. You know, maybe he is—he's just a punt returner. He doesn't do kickoffs or what have you. But the fact is that I feel like these are two veteran guys. I mean, Jabril is a veteran. He's a, but he's a young guy. 
that will bring some youth to that position, but Bethea is going to bring some experience to that because of the system. And from, from the back forward, like you said, Lance, that's important. Knowing the system, he's got a lot of experience with it. He's going to be able to teach in practice. He's going to be able to teach in the, play, in the meeting rooms. He's going to be able to teach it during the games. That's big for, for James Betcher and his defense. Not to mention, you know, Kareem Martin played with him. Okay, yep. you got Marcus Golden coming in here who's played in that system. These are guys that automatically, when they get together and they, they have some history together, it just picks right up. And, the, and that, that, that enthusiasm and the way that they play, it's contagious to the younger guys, which you had mentioned. How do you bring this to these younger guys? It'll automatically get there once the OTAs and, and mini camps and all that stuff starts, especially training camp too. That defense is going to start to play a little bit better. And they can, of course, you know, they're going to work it through the draft this year too. There's going to be some, there's going to be a couple playmakers in this draft. We know the Giants are going to draft a couple of good defensive players and they need to nail it. They really do. Well, and this even relates to, Jeff, your experience, even though you're on special teams, in terms of when you work with players more often than not, when you're then studying film, you could tap back into, I'm sure, previous experiences. I remember it, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you tell me when you started to work with a new long snapper and it was a lefty spin, and it was a little bit different, right? Yeah, that was some, Jay Offer. It took some adjustment, right? Oh, yeah. now, now, I'm not saying it exactly relates to what's going to happen when Antoine Bate comes in, but if you have that experience and you now work with another long snapper, you can at least remember, okay, this is what we did when I was in. yeah. thrown <laughs> into a new player, so now this is what we worked on during practice and so forth. No question. I think that you know he's kind of a, an extension of the coaching staff on the field. And that's, that's, yeah. that's an important thing. And when you look at the safety position, you know, going back just four years ago, Landon Collins was a young guy. The Giants have experimented with young safeties for the last four or five years, and they have struck out. So what do you do? You go and you get a guy that's been in the league, has been a pro bowler, has been a Super Bowl champion, and also has played in a system that your defensive coordinator is running. That makes sense to you. Plus, you know, I don't know the numbers what he signed for and this and that, but I would imagine that it's not going to cost the team a whole lot of money. So it's a very, in my opinion, it's a good, it's a good acquisition. And of course, Jabril Preppers came with the biggest acquisition in Giants history that went down a few days ago. So we'll see. But I, I agree with you, Lance, when you say we cannot talk about this until any of this stuff comes to fruition and this defense plays better than they did last season. Yeah. Well, you don't know what those draft picks are going to become. They're going to use those draft picks on players and then you have to see how those players pan out. It's just like, Jeff, when the Eli manning Philip Rivers trade occurred, the minute it happened, you couldn't evaluate. You had to see how the quarterback's yeah. going to play out, what happens with those other picks, Sean Merriman, and so forth. Yeah. So all of that is relative in the conversation. And you, know, you hit on an important note that I wanted to piggyback off of before we open up the phone lines. And it was contract value. And that's something that Dave Gettleman spoke to on the conference call with reporters. And then when he spoke to Bob Papa, which is an interview that was posted on Giants.com, and what he mentioned is... When you evaluate Landon Collins, and if you were to give him the franchise tag, which you're talking about $11, $12 million, and then to your point, you then factor in getting Antoine Bethea's contract and Jabril Peppers, Jeff, who's on a rookie deal, you're essentially getting two safeties for even less the amount of money that you would have paid Landon Collins for at least one year, assuming you didn't get a long-term deal done. And that's something that always has to be factored in. It's it's not a reflection of Landon Collins not being a good player. It's when you have to manipulate the cap, Jeff, and you have holes on defense and you have holes on offense, you have to ask yourself as a front office executive, do I lock up the bulk of my cap, Jeff, with five or six players, which the Giants were faced with, or do I free up enough room and say, hey, 
Now we've addressed seven or eight other positions for the amount of money that we may have had tied up with two or three guys. Well, I mean, I think that's what Dave was alluding to yesterday. Absolutely, yeah. When he was telling you about how he has a plan and how we have certain roster spots that we we have to address. But when you have a cap problem, if you will, and you know, I don't know if they want to call it a problem, but you don't have a lot of money left. You have to address it through rookie contracts. Okay, now, don't be surprised, in my mind, if the Giants don't go and draft another safety this year. Because remember, Jabril Preppers is in the weight. He's going to be there before Antoine Bethea. He'll he'll outlast Antoine Bethea, trust He's me. He's a younger player, yeah. So you got to kind of start training somebody behind Jabril Preppers to be either strong or free, which are depending on where they're going to put him. And then, so, so yeah. And But again, now, if you draft a safety, let's say, now you've got three players, probably for the same, still less than what you were going to play, pay Landon Collins. So, yeah, this is an economics of football, okay? A lot of times people don't get it. People don't want to understand it because they just fell in love with the player that they cut and they don't care about anything else. It's an emotional day for somebody that when they lose their one of their best players that they, they followed. But you have to understand the economics and the and the business of National Football League. It works this way. It's it's always going to happen. It's always going to have to be this way. Well, and a great parallel here, not to get completely off topic, but news broke before we came on, Jeff, and we were <laughs> even talking about it in passing, that the Angels just gave Mike Trout a monster contract, right? He's getting over $400 million, 12 years. And you look at that. And you have to understand, see, that's the biggest difference between Major League Baseball and the National Football League, Jeff. Major League Baseball doesn't have a salary cap. If your owner's got deep pockets, you can go and throw that money against the wall and see if it'll stick with a player. Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, we're talking about two other players, over $300 million in value of contracts. The NFL... Same thing. Yeah, it's very similar. I mean, even the NBA is on a different wavelength. There's a cap, but it's not a hard cap. You can go into the luxury tax if your owner's got deep pockets. The NFL, it's a hard cap. There's a straight line. Everybody has to fit under that line. So therefore, you have to be very savvy and economical in terms of how you delegate your resources. And that's what Dave Gettleman is emphasizing in some of the moves he made. Yes, they've parted ways with notable names, productive players. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. But... Just like the Seattle Seahawks, Jeff, and I pointed this out on Twitter when I was having a conversation with somebody. Remember they had the Legion of Boom? Mm -hmm. And they had the Richard Shermans and the Earl Thomases and the Cam Chancellors and the Brandon Browners. And all of them were great value, right? Some of them were drafted. Some of them were late picks. Some of them were early picks. Some of them were undrafted. But then it got to a point, Jeff, little by little, you got to give Cam Chancellor a contract. You got to give Earl Thomas a contract. You got to pay Richard Sherman. And you get to the point if you're John Schneider, the Seahawks general manager, can't afford everybody. It's you then the have legion to give... of no cap room. <laughs> that's essential. <laughs> that's a good one. I may adopt that. Russell Wilson's got to get a deal. An offensive line, running back, linebackers, defensive linemen. So you take all that into consideration. They had to sacrifice players. The Giants are no different. They're not operating on an no. island. And And this is what I get personally frustrated with. Fans are short for fanatical. We understand that, Jeff. But there's a lot of Giants fans who have their zone in on just the team. They don't look at what's operating outside of the Giants. But you have to, Jeff, Mm -hmm. when you have a conversation like this. Because then I think you open up and you realize, hey, you know what? 
the Giants are not the only team making these type of decisions. And I'm not saying that everybody's getting rid of Odell Beckham-esque players. That's not my point. But there are other teams, Jeff, getting rid of productive players who command a lot of money, and you realize we just can't afford everybody. We've got to prioritize, and we've got to make sure that the money works across the board. And I'll give it to you from a different perspective. I'll give it to you from the player's perspective, okay? You understand, or you should understand, um, maybe not when you're young because you're on a rookie contract and they're built in that you're, everybody gets paid the same, right? So unless you're, you know, if the number one pick one year is going to get a, a little, little bit more. A little staggered, of course. But the bottom line is that there's, you know, there's a, there's a, a salary, uh, it's fixed price, basically. When you're a veteran and you go into free agency and you get a six-year deal, a lot of times they are backloaded. Okay, so you understand that your your money up front is your is your is your that's yours. You got to understand that usually you have two years into that contract because they they can't cut you. They can, but you're going to get the dead money thing. So it doesn't make economically sense to there's do security it then. unless there's something there. Your, when you start getting into that fourth, fifth, and sixth year, you got to have your antennas up, and you got to <laughs> understand where the team is. Because if the team is playing well and you're going to, to playoffs and you're doing well, you're part of that success. If the team starts to kind of tail down, the first place they go is they say, okay, we're, where's our price, high price guys? Because you know what? We're not that good anymore. So you're expendable. Don't act all surprised when you're a player and in their fourth year of a six year, did you get cut? Olivia Vernon, these guys, they knew they were going to get cut at some point in time. They were not going to play out their contract. Well, how unless, many guys do play out the you, duration of their contract? You really don't unless, 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 I speak from experience Unless here. you're Jeff Eagles. <laughs> you you underprice yourself in a market that you when it comes to the when they're going through the roster and they're going down positions and they say, Jeff Eagles, well, you know what? He's still producing. You know what? I'm making a... I mean, he's not making a ton of money. I mean, it's good. And they just go on. Go on to the next guy. That's how you play for as long as I did. Because not only did I play because I was good, but I also played because economically it made sense for the teams that I played. And I did play out my contracts. I played them out. That's how I was able to get to the free agency times. That's how I got here. But the fact is, is that the big money today, the cap is at $188 million. And it's on the rise constantly. And it's going to, it usually goes about $10 million a year, okay? They don't think that the team next year knows that they're going to have $10, $10 million extra under the cap. So this team, you cannot have tunnel vision. You've got to have a lot of down-the-road down vision, and that's what the Giants are doing now. The Giants are looking at 2020 as a year that they can capitalize on their cap because it's been rumored, and I just say rumored because there's nothing official, that they may have over $100 million next year. And if that's the case, and they're building a young football team, that's the direction you want to go. And I do believe that Dave Gettleman said this in his conference, news conference yesterday, too, is the fact that you can win while you build, okay? Can you win championships while you build? Maybe not, but you can win games and build the roster. That, But, again, like you said, Lance, people, they're so <laughs> – they're like this, man. They don't oh, have yeah. – no patience. No patience. Let me tell you something. The National Football League, for the most part, organizations have a lot of patience when they run out of patience is when they get desperate. Okay. And that's not the desperate times that call for desperate measures that doesn't mix well with an, any type of franchise when you, when you're desperate for things, because then you start spending money like it's going out of crazy and you put yourself into cap purgatory, if you will, going down the line. So 
you have to be patient and you have to have a plan. And Dave Gettleman said yesterday, I know it's tough for people to think that I have a plan. The other thing that I thought was very, very well put was the fact that to the media. Oh, I think I know where you're going. Yes. That he has no responsibility to, to let them know what his plan there is. You go. Yep. And I put out, I don't tweet very often, but when I heard that, because I believe in his plan, I'm I believe, I believe in it and I hope it works. A lot of people won't agree with me. My tweet was one word. Exactly. That's he, he owes none of us anything. And by the way, if he starts to tell us about it, we're in trouble. Yeah, because I mean, he's exposing who shows their cards. No, who shows their cards though? <laughs> we're in trouble. I mean, even the winningest franchises. Does New no. England lay out yet? Yeah, we're going to sign player A, player B, player C, and we're going to trade for player D. Who yeah. does that? Bill Belichick doesn't say anything. And we're on to Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> so he's really not saying anything differently than anybody else. It's just that very rarely do you hear an executive come out and say that publicly. Listen, I have no obligation to tell you what exactly my plans right. are. And I agree wholeheartedly with his statement. And he's just telling you, just, I, I, and, and by the way, just be patient with it, okay? Yeah. And, and let everything play out and then ask me or fire me or look at the results. Any of those above will, will, will do. And by the way, it's gonna happen. If it doesn't work, hey, people get lose their jobs because things don't work out. Players, so, staff, coaches, management, everyone. A result-oriented business. No question. We want to remind you, Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Live Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes. All right, let's open up the phone lines. We'll get into a few more of sure. Dave Gettleman's quotes throughout the course of the conference call that he had yesterday, as well as more of your insight on the phone lines. 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Let's start with Dan in Brooklyn as he gets us going. Dan, what's happening? Well, oh, Dan is a man of very few down. words. Hello. Let's try Coach Marvin in Delaware. How about Coach Marvin on the line? What's happening, Coach? How are you doing, Lance and Jeff? Good. How are you? Doing well. What's on uh, your mind? I'm doing, I'm doing okay. It's a tough couple of weeks, uh, the team. And you both have, uh, what you guys have been saying is, is this true uh, about being patient? And we're in a process right now. <laughs> But uh, I, I'm looking at it from a fan's point of view and a coach's point of view real quick. Um, from the fan side of me, I think what, what's going on is, uh, is we're going through the knowns and the unknowns. The knowns is we gave away a, trans, uh, uh, a transcending player that was uh, box office, must be TV, and I think it was, we, we could have got a little more for Odell. I mean, that was must-be TV. Well, but what do you mean by more, Coach Marvin, just out of curiosity? Well, I, I think I would have liked it. I mean, I remember last week they were talking, and we were talking about the if you trade Odell back, it must be something that knocks your socks off. And and I think it was Paul said something something like uh, Herschel Walker deal. Now you're going to listen to what they say. Yeah, but that so Herschel Walker that deal a- happened, we're talking 20, 30 years ago, in fairness. I mean, the right. market... I, I I understand that. I know you're not going to get anything like that again because teams ain't that crazy to do that. What I'm saying is I would have liked to at least seen that three. They had two threes. At least give me the higher of the three. We're talking about a uh, transcending player, and you're going to give me the bottom half of the three. Give me at least that. Did they have two threes? Was there a higher one they could have got? Okay. Browns had multiple, yeah. They had two, and we got the least of the two. We're more closer to the fourth round 
than the third. Well, I will say this. It's all about what you do with picks as opposed to where you pick. I believe that, and I will stand by that regardless of the year of the draft because, you know, there have been teams that have middle-round picks, and they've made the most of it because they do their due diligence and scouting. The other thing that I'll add before we let you continue here, if you look at recent wide receivers who have been traded, this is why I don't understand the outrage over the value in return. October 2018, Amari Cooper was traded to the Cowboys It was just one first-rounder. March 2018, Jarvis Landry was traded from the Dolphins to the Browns. They got only a fourth and a seventh. And then in March 2017, Brandon Cooks. I went back and looked at the first deal because when a guy is traded again, sometimes the value changes. And the Saints got a 2017 fourth, a 2017 first, and a third. So you look at the Giants, they got a first. They got a third, and then Jabril Peppers, who is not far removed from being a first-round pick. So you could look at it as two ones and a third compared to what I just read off with those other caliber-wide receivers. I mean, it's right. probably the best deal in recent history. I, I understand what you're saying, Lance. I, I don't want to stay on this too long because I got another thing I to say. I understand, yeah. But those are not transitions. Those are not, tra- those are not players that are must-see TV. you got to admit that. You're talking Odell has got to be one of the top five players in the NFL. And when uh, among his peers in the 100, um, the top 100 players, which it really don't mean anything, but the respect from the league, he was always in the top 10 other than when he got hurt last year. So those players respect him. You're going to put a Mark Cooper and those guys in the same sentence with him. I can't agree with it. I mean, that's your opinion. Well, opinion, but, but listen, here's what I will say before you go on. First of all, that's not how NFL executives view the market, though. They don't look at the NFL top 100. I mean, Jeff, I'm sure, <laughs> can attest to this. Not, when, he, I, when he goes I, to I, the I, negotiating I, table, Jeff's not, well, you know, NFL.com put me as one of the best punters of all time. Me now. Give me $5 million. Oh. I mean, come on, that's okay. fairy tale. And, okay. and, and one, one other thing, Coach, if you look at the resumes, forget television and eyes, okay? You look at... Landry's a four-time Pro Bowler, led the NFL in receptions in 2017. I'm talking about production here. Cooper, three-time Pro Bowler. Then you look at Antonio Brown, by the way, who I didn't mention, a third and a five for Antonio Brown. Seven-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro, led the NFL in receiving yards twice, receptions twice, and touchdowns in 18. And then in comparison, Beckham, three-time Pro Bowler, two-time second-team All-Pro. We're talking about very similar resumes here again. I, I hear you, Lance. I hear you. But one, I didn't say that they walk. They look at that 100 top 100. You got to remember, I said it's the respect of the players among each other. I never said that uh, uh, the executive staff looks at that, and I understand that. I'm telling you, and you know this because he played here. Now he's not here. You got to look at it in a different way. No, it's not. For, I'm, I'm looking at it from a big picture perspective. That's what I'm. What, I'm bringing up right. other I, wide I, receivers. I, I'm I, not treating I, I, on an island. I'm doing the comparison test. If we had nothing I, else to go by, then there wouldn't be much substance for us to have this conversation. I understand that. I just said, give me the top third pick of those three. I didn't say give me twelve players. I didn't say give me two superstars. I didn't say give me two one. Give me that top three of the three rounds. You have a say so too if you are the executive for the Giants. Well, but but once again, it, it also is depending on how the negotiations went. And you, me, and Jeff, yeah. we're, we're not privy to what yeah. the back and forth was like. For all we know, maybe they, Peppers was involved. Maybe, and, yeah, they said peppers, we'll give you the latter of the two if you because you, if you, you get want peppers. peppers. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know how the negotiations went. Yeah. So, it, what it, was it's your other question, comment. Coach? Yeah. No, I, 
agree with you. We don't. Now, let me get off that. But the, um, the unknown is what we're saying. We don't know who these picks are. We don't know how um, Peppers is going to play. I like him. I think he's a good addition in for Land, um, Landon Collins. I hated losing him. I hated losing Vernon. I mean, these were good players, but we had, we are paying them. So you're right as far as how much we were paying these guys. But that's just the fan side. I'm just telling it from the fan side. We only know what we know or see what we see. The unknown is the unknown, and that's what Gettleman is telling us. Let us believe in him in the unknown. I'm going to give him a chance. You know why? Because I don't have a choice. I don't own the team. I don't work for the team. What he does, I have to live with. So I'm going to give him that. So my, so the thing is, we have to stick it. My thing as a coach, and I say this about Odell and other players, there's three people that can kill a team and that comes in that locker room. And those three people are me, myself, and I. If those yep. three guys show up in the locker room, he will destroy your team. Maybe that's what Odell was. I felt he was becoming one of those guys. Well, you I don't. I meet myself uh, and I. <laughs> They're very uh, good, Coach. That's just my opinion. Yep. All right, Coach. My other thing is real quick. Real quick, quick. yeah. The question for you and Jeff is, uh, what do you think? If, I hope they have a quarterback in mind. If, if they don't take it, I'm thinking what they're going to do is go defense, a rusher, and what do you think with the 17th pick of uh, Grady Swim and then an offensive lineman in the second round? And that's all I have. And I agree with you guys. I'm not here to argue with you. It's just opinion. Sure. Fair enough. Thank Appreciate you. the phone call, Coach. Thanks so much for yeah. weighing in. And a couple things. Number one, you know, you don't know. And even in free agency, you can only go on the history of the player and how well he's done in his position and the other team before you sign him, right? You don't know. He could get here, and he could play under James Betcher's defense, and he could be the worst gear he's ever had. You don't know that. So you have to go on a little bit of, of experience and a little bit of history there. Okay, draft picks. Same thing, right? You don't know. They never played a down of professional football in their life, but you got to have to sit there and talk about how they played in the Big Ten or where did they play in the SEC. I mean, that all makes a big difference. As far as this quarterback thing goes, I think it's very simple. I really do. I think a lot of people are making too much out of this, okay? First of all, we're not going to know because if you've, if you've listened to Dave Gettleman, he's not going to tip his hat to anything he does unless he's 100% sure. Like as we got a little bit closer last year about – he kind of told us about Saquon Barkley, okay? But that was the number two pick, okay? This year, I, I, I think it's very simple. That 17th pick was acquired. That is, that is some serious asset. They, they can do whatever they want with that, whether they're going to trade up with it or they're going to give it to Arizona for Josh Rosen, whatever the stuff, all the stuff that's going along. The other thing is, is that you got to understand that we're not going to get any type of input to these quarterbacks if the Giants like them or not. Is it Kyler Murray? Is it Dwayne Haskins? i got to think that those are the two guys we're, we're in the conversation. If they like one of them, they're taking them at six. Because I can tell you right now, there is no guarantee, and you can even say this, Lance, there's no guarantee where the Giants will be next year. No, The Giants could be picking. Game. We all hope that the Giants are picking 32nd in the first round next year. But what if the Giants are picking 17th or 18th? Okay, there's no guarantee that any of these quarterbacks next year are going to be any better than the guys this year, or they get hurt, or they, you know, some some one of them doesn't want to play football anymore. I don't know. You don't know how the collegiate season is going to play. But you you have to look what's in front of you, and right now what's in front of you is these two quarterbacks or three, if you want to put Drew Locke in there, or whoever the guy is. It's just to me, it makes sense that if they're going to do the the whole Kansas City Chief thing, then 
you know, they do it with Wayne Haskins and then Eli's, this is his last year on his contract and that kind of stuff kind of just makes a little bit of sense. But I don't think it's any more difficult. I think people are trying to make too much of this. The, the Giants know what they want to do. They're just not going to tell us. Yeah, 100%. And that's why all it is is just going to fuel more speculation. On the subject, though, interestingly, when Dave Gettleman did his interview on WFAN yesterday, Jeff, with Mike Francesa, one of the last questions that was posed to Dave Gettleman, if the Giants and their fans should expect a quarterback of the future to be brought in this year, his response, quote, if everything works out, probably, end quote. You could read into that as much as you wish. But that was as close to a question on the subject that we're discussing right now where Gettleman gave his answer. So does that mean that they're going to try to trade for somebody? Does that mean they're going to try to draft somebody? Well, let's, does let's, that mean that somebody currently is on the roster? Who knows? The bottom line is, is we all know that the Giants are in a need of a quarterback for 2020. Yeah, it's not a mystery. 2020, folks. You know, Eli Manning just got some money. Okay, they're bringing back Eli Manning. Hello. Well, he's only under contract for one more year. But, so, but there it is. I just, okay, so yeah, it so, could be Eli back next year, but right now he's not under contract beyond this year. It so. makes sense. It makes sense. Now, who who doesn't make sense? Does it make sense to go with the the draft? Does it make sense to go with somebody that's in the league already? That's not up to me and Lance. That's up to Dave Gettleman and, and Mr. Mayor and Mr. Tish and the organization. They will make that decision. Well, I've said this time and time again, Jeff. If everyone in the room is evaluating the quarterbacks and they say, you know what, Dwayne Haskins is a must-have, Jeff. We envision him. He's our franchise quarterback. Then take you know him. what? I think you do everything in your power to take him if he's at six or to move up now that you have two first-rounders to go after your quarterback. If you feel that way about Kyler Murray, it's the same thing. But if you're in the room and two guys love Kyler Murray, Jeff, Three guys love Haskins. One guy loves Daniel Jones. Another one thinks Drew Locke is going to be Dan Marino. <laughs> then I think you got a question. No, and you got to say to yourself, if you're Dave Gettleman, I'm in a room full of scouts. They spent the entire season going around the country evaluating quarterbacks, and there's no conviction in this room. Do we really want to utilize one of our first-round picks on a guy that right now it's a flip-the-coin mentality? I don't think that's necessarily the best philosophy to have to then go out and chase after a quarterback. So yeah. that's the big thing. What is going on in that room when they start to have their meetings as we get closer to the draft? I got the answer. I think that you and I should come up with a survey and send it to all those people and they can send <laughs> it back to us. Yes. And then we'll see what and kind of consensus that we get. The fans and here. then we'll report on it. 100%. Because there's that's so easy. Nothing more authentic than a poll. It's a, it'll be an inner office memo, as they say. Oh, that's a good way to spin it. Very professional on your part. You're welcome. In all seriousness, going back real quickly to Coach Marvin's question, I could see them also taking a defensive lineman at six. I don't think that's a stretch. I think there's substance there. I think there's the capability of somebody to come in at six and make a huge impact year one. They certainly need help in terms of their pass rushing rotation. So that I don't think is crazy. And then one last point that I wanted to mention here. I went back and I looked at the third round of the 2019 draft here. The Browns had the 80th pick and then the 95th. The 95th is the one that went to the Giants. So we're talking about about 15 picks, but let's not make it sound like 80 was not a top three pick in the third round or a top four pick. Here, Jeff, you see, the first pick in the third round is 65. So, so 80 would have been, let's say 15. the Giants got the first of the two third rounders. Would have been smack in the middle 
of the third round, essentially. Okay. It, it would have not been an extremely high third round. Let, let's at least not paint that. No, it's narrative. not extremely high, but it's it's the middle. It's of the higher round. than ninety five. There's yeah. no doubt about that. But I don't want to make it sound as if if Cleveland had you know like the second pick in the third round, then yeah. I think we got something a little bit more to talk about. Okay. Here. Yeah. It was yeah. smack in the middle. Let's head back to the phone lines two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Charlie is in Portland, Maine. Charlie, what's happening? Hi, Charlie. Hey, guys. Hey, Lance. Hey, Jeff. How are we doing, Charlie? Hey. Hey, Hey. how many times did we hear from the Giants or Gettleman say that we are not shopping Odell Beckham? We are not shopping him. Guess what? What did uh, Gettleman say? Oh, I did call Buffalo. Hello. Yeah, but when did he say that? Before or after? Correct. After the Antonio Brown speculation. It doesn't matter when. Yes, it does. It for does. a long time, we were never going to shop him. And how do we know that that's not true, Charlie? Charlie, how do we know that's not true? How do we know that's not true? How do you know? Give me evidence to prove that that's a lie. It is a lie. How do you he know? He wasn't shopping him. No, no. We, Jeff and I just said that Dave Gettleman, the only thing he acknowledged in the conference call was that he picked up the phone and called Brandon Bean, who he had a relationship with in Carolina, once the Antonio Brown news broke that that deal fell apart and he realized, hey, the Bills are looking for a wide receiver. So how do you know that... He was shopping him. Yeah, but but he said after... after, Can you just say that he was shopping him and they said forever, I will not shop him. But the point is, prior to that no, phone call to point, Buffalo, Lance. you don't know, that's Charlie, no, Charlie, no, the point is, it's all speculation on your part. That's what the point is. No, it isn't You have absolutely not, you have it's not right, one he, shred of evidence. Said. You have not one he, shred he of evidence. I'm not shopping him, and he, then he also just said, I did call Buffalo and to all, shop him. Charlie, right. every single one of Dave Gettleman's comments where he said we did not sign Odell Beckham to trade him was made prior to the Antonio Brown news. You've got to oh, look at so, the timeline so here. we can just, you know, we... Oh, no, God. no, no, I'm not... Look, Charlie, I'm not I, saying I, I'm 100% I, right, but I can guarantee you that you don't know if you're 100% right. That's my point. No, just Glazer knew a month ago that that they were going to get rid of Odell Beckham. They were going to trade him. Why did he know that? Because after the Little Wayne interview, it was done. Yeah, it you was know, absolutely. That damn little Wayne's. He was done. That's and right. the reason, you know, so it wasn't a football thing, because if it was a football thing, he would still be on this team because this guy is the greatest wide receiver. But that's in your opinion, though. Charlie, years. that's your opinion and your logic in terms of how well, you would build the team. I'm talking and about. how you would it's build the team. opinion. You're right. Yeah, so that doesn't that's mean that your opinion is shared with the organization. Opinion, you give your opinion. Exactly. Right? But, you, but the, your opinion is not necessarily in line with where they were thinking, nor does it nor is it backed by any factual evidence in terms of them shopping him prior to the Antonio Brown speculation you haven't provided any evidence that I'm you know for a fact I'm saying that I'm saying but that's what you're claiming they weren't going to shop him and after all they did yes and that's Dave Gettleman and Dave and Charlie Dave Gettleman came out and said things changed he acknowledged that so w- w- oh yeah okay okay and the other thing I just saw that the Cleveland Browns payroll is over two hundred and nine million dollars, almost almost two hundred and ten million. What is the cap? Isn't it like one hundred and eighty nine? About one hundred eighty eight. Yeah, one hundred eighty nine. So I guess they're going to have to uh, do some restructuring or cutting some players, right? They may. I don't know. I have not looked at the Brown situation. I have not seen that number that you're throwing out. Since when do you care about the Browns' payroll? And, by the and, way? and here's the other thing. That, that, <laughs> no, no that, hold saying, on, I'm hold on. There's no way, Charlie, to spend as much money. 
many as possible. Charlie, that can't win, be valid. To have a winning team and to you know go to the Super Bowl. Charlie, and I don't understand is, how that. They're also willing valid. to go zero and sixteen to do it. That Odell got traded and uh, Ov got traded. Yeah, you know they needed money, right? I don't agree with this, but people are saying if. They cut Eli, then you would have that money. You would have been able to keep Odell, and you probably would have been able to keep OV if you wanted to. So that's, their, that's what they're looking at. There was other ways to free up money than that. I wouldn't. I would keep, I, for me, I would keep Eli. There's no doubt about it. But that's what they're saying when they're, when they're saying talking that? about that. Who, who's saying there was that, other though? ways to cut money. Well, there's, there's well, no question. But I, Charlie, listen, I, I you know, yeah. think about this, okay? There, there's been players for as long as the game has been around that things are happening behind the scenes that nobody knows about, okay? It's just it's time sometimes for things to just move on for the betterment of the team. I am not here to tell you that Odell Beckham's skills have have come down because yeah, he is a he is one of the best players at this position there is. But we we don't know the whole story. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, so yeah, and, and, well, I know there's always everything's opaque with corporations. They're always opaque. But oh. the thing is, with with I mean, I watched a, ma- a mashup of Odell's you know best plays, and I almost cried because he is the most dynamic, incredible wide receiver. And guess who was throwing him those passes? It was Eli, Eli Manning. Of course. And if you want to watch something that makes you sick that he's gone, watch, him, watch that mashup of his greatest plays. Yeah, because well. we're never going to see another player like that in uh, Giant Stadium, MetLife. It ain't going to be Golden Tate. It ain't going to be Shepard. It ain't going to be anybody else. He's going to be doing that in Cleveland, and that is a shame. That's all I got, guys. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate the phone call, Charlie. And nobody's disagreeing that Odell Beckham didn't have a significant impact on this franchise. He made play after play. Go back to that 2016 season. Big reason why the team made the playoffs. Won a lot of close games as a result of his play. But, you know, it goes back to the conversation that Jeff and I had at the top of the show. You have to make sacrifices if you have other needs across your board. And sometimes that means parting ways with an impactful player like that. And again, we're... We're not going to know this until the end of the 2019 season's over to see how how it plays out. That, you know, does it does we don't know. I mean, does a team function better with him out of here? Maybe. I mean, that I, I just the only thing I can compare it to is how this team played the last four games of the season without him. Okay, I, is that something to to look look ahead for? Like, okay, well, this is how they did without him. I mean, maybe this can even be better. I don't know. You're, it's going to be tough to replace the the talent and the numbers and the production, okay? But Absolutely. you can spread that production around to some of those other players who seem to be that this might be the answer to it. I don't know. Who knows? And the record associated with one player is not necessarily extremely telling, but, I mean, I have the numbers in front of me. They were 31-50 and 50 overall during Odell Beckham's tenure. There were 81 total games that were played. He didn't play in all 81, Jeff, but that was the Giants' record during Odell Beckham's tenure. When Odell Beckham was on the field, the Giants went 25-35. and 35. Without him, 6-15. and 15. So from a big-picture perspective, this is not just a reflection of Odell Beckham. It's a reflection of the entire team, defense, special teams. They were struggling at times when he was on the field. They were struggling at times with him not on the field. The bottom line is Dave Gettleman is trying to build a team that's going to win consistently, not have a flash consistently. So, mm-hmm. you know, I understand fans are emotional, but... 
at the end of the day, fans also want playoff appearances. They want Super Bowl titles, Jeff, don't they? Well, they so yeah. the goal is to accomplish that. But to accomplish that, you need le the least amount of holes across the board. Correct. And this is going to give them additional resources there to address go. some of those needs. That's how you fill those holes is that you have That's money at least to spend. their vision right yeah. now. Yeah. Let's head back to the phone lines. Q is in Newark. Q, what's happening? How you doing, man? How you guys doing? Good. Doing all right, Q. What do you got for us? Well, I'm not happy, that's for really. Um <laughs> I just want to say a few things. <laughs> I just want to say a few things, and then I'm going to get off line. I don't want you guys to, to cut me off when you hear something that you don't like. We won't cut you off. We're I'm here. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. All right, well, first of all, I think that was one of the worst trades in NFL history. And not just because I'm biased and I'm a Giants fan. I didn't think that we got equal trade value in return. And what I mean by that is because I heard Gettleman, he constantly kept saying that, oh, yeah, uh, we got a, a first-round pick in, in, in Jabril Peppers. Well, he was. Let me finish, please. Um, well, he was last year. But the year that he was a first-round pick, he played like a seventh-round pick. <laughs> but the, this year he played a little bit better. So my question to you guys, real fans, is if you were the general manager, would you give up a number one pick for Jabril Peppers? No, you wouldn't. So it's not a first-round talent. <clears throat> Odell was the real first-round talent. So we, so we didn't get equal value back, even though we, we got back a player, a young, you know, young player at a neat position. Still wasn't, we still didn't get back what we deserved to get back. Another thing I want to um, get into is because deep in my heart, I believe that Odell was traded because his because of the gripe that he had with um, <clears throat> with uh, Eli. Because Eli was upset about what he said, you know, doing that. ESPN. Where is there evidence that Eli was upset about that? That, that this, this, I just said this was my. Well, well, he didn't. Eli didn't do an interview after he heard about the uh, the uh, Odell's interview. Oh, but so, Eli talked to and, the media. And I was under the impression that. Well, but Q, lot, Eli spoke to the media multiple times after Odell did that interview. I haven't heard one thing the out of day, Eli's the, mouth. The day that it, that that he found out about it, the media also uh, was on record that uh, that Eli didn't even show up for the press conference, and they say Eli always showed for, for for press conference, but he didn't show up. So I'm not saying that. Like, this, this is what I believe. I just said this is my belief. I didn't say anything is factual. This is what I believe. Because for some reason, you know, the New York Giants is coddling Eli Manning. But he's a mediocre quarterback. Some reason. He should have been the one. <laughs> some reason. Yeah, he's got two Super Bowls. Two, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but let, let's, let's be honest. His first Super Bowl that he won, he threw 20 interceptions. Oh, please, Q. Come on. Q. Come I'm on. Oh, you can be all the honest you want, but I don't care. You can, uh, listen, I, you know I, what? Okay, well, I had let like. Let me finish my point there before you guys. Oh, all right. I was on that team, by the way. This is my opinion. Uh, that, that 2007 season, yeah, our defense was solid. When Eli Manning stopped making turnovers, when he stopped throwing turnovers and turning the ball over, we started winning. We, we, we got hot. We went on the street because we had a running game, offensive line. What about and, 2011? And, and, and I'm not saying that he that he had nothing to do with it, but he's not the reason that we won. Like, come on, knock it off. In 2011, so, 2007, oh. when he threw 20 interceptions that yeah. year. Gotcha. That's... And we went nine and seven. Mm -hmm. Terrible record, but terrible record. It's a winning Q. Q. Nine and seven's a winning record that gets you in the playoffs. I mean, come on, it's that's a ridiculous statement. What's a ridiculous statement? Nine and seven is a terrible record. Nine and seven is a terrible record. That's a ridiculous statement. Got him into the uh, three okay. and thirteen, okay. Okay. four and okay. I, twelve. I okay, that's a winning losing record. Can I make my point? Can I make my yeah. point? Yeah, go ahead, yeah. real quick. Okay, 
but for some, yeah, and I, you know, I, I don't really call up that much for some reason because, like, it's when you call up and you say something about Eli, you guys just go crazy. Like, you can't say anything wrong about Eli. Like, how does he exist? Well, you. Like, I don't understand how is a 38 year old mediocre quarterback still on the roster, and you just traded me a Hall of Famer for a one or three, and you and Gettleman is trying to shove down our throat and say to us, "Oh yeah, we got another first round pick." Jerome Pebbles is not a first round pick. No NFL owner will give him a number round against any uh, another general manager number one pick for him. So he's not a number one pick. Well, we don't know so how the market would. That. But but once again, that's a he hypothetical have, argument. He have first round pick value. Period. Q, it's so a hypothetical argument that? though. When you it's say. His, statement it's like his that. opinion. That's yeah, what it's, it it's your yeah. opinion. That doesn't mean that that's not going to happen. And I'm not saying it is, but it's your opinion. Only will give any will give would have gave the Browns a number one pick for Jarrell Pepper. Yeah, and that's Pepper. your opinion. But what I'm saying is that so doesn't mean that it can't happen. Talent, so why does he keep saying that? Because it's, he was it, a first round pick in 2017. That's, that's what he means by that. That was 2017. Is this 2019? Yeah. So we're two years removed. No, he's not. Well, so once again, it, Q, no, Q he, the he, bottom he, line is we could go Q, we basically. could go in circles here. You're laying out a hypothetical argument. That there's no factual okay, backing because so you don't know what another GM point. would have given up. That's my point. Got to go. So okay. we uh, we appreciate the phone call and, and thank you for weighing in. Thanks, Q. As, as far as, you know, Eli Manning still being the quarterback of the team, I will say this time and time again. There are 53 guys on the roster, and we're here every day having a conversation about one position. <laughs> now, is the quarterback important, Jeff? You yes, know it. You played the game. But to say that you just dismiss the offensive line, dismiss the defense, dismiss the running game, dismiss the secondary, and just treat the quarterback like he's on an island, Philip Rivers, okay, is the quarterback of the Chargers. I put this out on Twitter. I'll rehash it on the show because I feel like I'm reliving my life yeah. through Twitter. I've here. even heard you say okay, it. Okay, you heard. Philip Rivers and the Chargers. Because it's the whole team, right, Jeff? They've missed the playoffs seven of the last nine years. Seven of the last nine years. Now, most people say Phillip Rivers has been more productive than Eli Manning in recent history, and I would not disagree with that. He has had better numbers from an individual standpoint, Jeff. Yeah. Statistically. Ultimately. But Rivers alone has not been their savior. Doesn't mean Rivers is not a good quarterback. It's the fact that, Jeff, he had some bad defenses, had no running games. Oh, really? Years. No. I mean, offensive line troubles, right? What? No, I mean, it's all made up la-la land stuff, right? Now, if you think that I'm making this up, because clearly people think that I'm just pulling out these facts out Rabbits of, out of a you hat. You know what? Yes, yeah. 100%. It's magic. Well, then Lance. let's now look at what I had a back and forth with on social media because, you know, I got to do the homework since nobody else is willing to do. And then you realize that going back to 2012, from 2012 to 2008, the Chargers had a better offense statistically in ranking, scoring offense, four out of the seven years. So the Chargers were better four times. The Giants were better three times. From a defensive perspective, though, Jeff, the Chargers had a better defense five of those seven years in scoring defense. The Giants just twice. So there was a lopsidedness in terms of the Chargers defense versus the Giants defense. And then the rushing attack was three up for the Giants, four up for the Chargers. So when you take that into consideration, sounds to me the like the Chargers were the a team, better team overall. The dynamics of the Chargers were a little bit more consistent, but yet they still were not making the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Or context, or even making Super Bowls, or even winning two of them. Which, by the way, if you look at the way that Eli Manning played in 2011, he hit, some of those comeback wins that he had that year were ridiculous. Now, was it him? No, it was the whole team, right? But he he was the cat of the whole thing. I mean, he was throwing the ball and he was he brought him back. Game-winning drives. It was amazing. That was an Number incredible them, yeah. year. 07, yeah, we had a pretty good season. But it was collectively both sides of the football and special teams that we all kicked in. 
nine and seven wasn't a great record, but I'll tell you what, it's it not, was enough though. It was enough. It was enough to get in the dance. We got in the dance, and we ended up dancing with a really pretty girl at the end. <laughs> Saints, by the way, four of the five seasons missed the playoffs at seven and nine with Drew Brees as their quarterback. Just another example of how the quarterback alone doesn't win and lose football games. Let's head back to the lines. Mark is in Chi Town. Mark, welcome to the program. What do you got for us? Hey, uh, just a comment on what you were saying about comeback wins. How many comeback, more comeback wins would have would Eli would have had if our defense could have this held? Year. Not only in 2018, but go back to 2015. Mm-hmm. How yeah. many leads did we blow oh, in the fourth no, quarter that year? Yeah. Well, that's why quarterback records are irrelevant and meaningless, because it encompasses the entire team. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, Jeff, I appreciate your comments. I, I really like the, sure, what you said you. at the beginning of the show. And the reason why is that, you know, you played the game. You know what goes on in the locker room. Sure. You know, understand it from a business standpoint and what the owners are thinking. And I just think it puts some sanity behind uh, everything, and I love what Dave Gettleman said yesterday. I mean, it, you know, it's like people expect Apple to say what features are available in their iPhone that's coming out. They yeah. would never do that. No, no. You know, it's a competitive business. It is. And I think what Gettleman is. is trying to do is put the transform the Giants into where the Colts were this year. You can win while you build, and, oh, yeah, we got a big salary uh, cap uh, availability next year that we can even use to build more on what we're doing this year. Right. Right. And again, I think, you know, look at the team last year and can you say that was there, was there much improvement the first seven games? No, there wasn't. The the first seven games of this season, in my opinion, was still an abbreviated preseason for the giants because as you had a new staff, you had a new head coach, you had a new general manager still trying to pick through the, the, the minutia of this, of this roster and then all of a sudden, the second half of the season, the offensive line improves with Jamon Brown and, and Nate Solder starts playing a little bit better. That offensive line starts to get a little bit better. Things start to change. And so then when, when that happens, the organization understands that going forward, this is, we, we made some changes last year. I've said it before. At the end of the season, there was less than 10 players on this roster that were here the year before. That's transition. And that's getting better. Even though they only won five games last year, they won four of them in the second half. So that right. is improvement. Now we kick <laughs> it into 2019, and let's build on that again. So, and by right. the way, cap space can be carried over from one year to another. Sure. Just because right. you have $100 million doesn't mean you go on a spending spree. So, you know, that's also important to understand just yeah. in terms of the dynamic. Well, like the Giants did, you know, that back in 2015, they went and spent $200 million. Okay. Well, how many of those guys are still left on the team yeah. when they spent $200 million? Correct. You know? It doesn't always work. Yeah. Oh. Well, I don't see the Colts spending their $100 million in this offseason well, either. Well, and so. that's another great and example, Mark. It. Yeah. And they also, by the way, are building the team through the draft, and they right. don't have a lot of right. name commodities. That's why they have $100 million, by the way, because they built their young team through yep. the draft. Right. Right. And that's where I think we're going to. Guys, I've been a Giants fan for 60 years. My first recollection of a Giants game was the 1959 championship game. How many rebuilds do you think I've seen over 60 years? <laughs> it's, or transformations? It's been a lot. And sure. Sometimes it was like every year. Yeah, back in the but 70s it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. First and foremost, I am a Giants fan. I want the team to win. And you build a winning culture by winning games, not tanking games. And over that time, I've only owned two jerseys, LT and OBJ. I love OBJ. If the Giants had traded LT, I would have felt a lot like what people do now mm-hmm. about OBJ. But LT was a transformational player. 
not only did he transform the way people had to defend him in def- you know, offenses versus the Giants' defense in him in particular, he transformed that team from a losing team into a winning team. To me, OBJ is not a transformational player. Mm-hmm. You know, in my opinion, and arguably, he's not even the best wide receiver in football. Mm-hmm. There are probably three or four guys that you could say were better. So that's why I'm not getting my panties in a twist Good about them trading OBJ. Good for you. Because they're trying to do something better. Yeah. And I'll say one more point, Jeff. You brought up about desperate times leading to desperate measures. And in my opinion, what they sh- I'd like to go back and see what, we- what caused what we're doing today. Why did we trade OBJ? And when I analyze it, I go back and I look at when they fired Tom Coughlin and they kept Jerry Reese on board. And I remember Mara saying specifically when I expect the Giants to be good. And what that did was that forced Jerry Reese to go out and overspend. He went deep pockets for OV, Jackrabbit, Snacks. I'll even put JPP in there. And the reason why he was desperate was because his drafts were very poor. And, you know, uh, I know a lot of times um, you guys say, well, look at how many players we've gotten rid of and are no longer on the team. Go back and look at our draft choices over the last five years and how many guys aren't even left in the league. Yeah. It's pretty pitiful. So, you know, hey, sometimes you got to tear it down to build it up, and that's what we're doing. Yep. And that's my opinion, and I'm glad I got it off my chest. All right, Mark. Yeah. Appreciate you, Mark. the phone call. The other thing, too, that you have to understand about the days with LT – there was no social media back in the day. Can you imagine that? Oh. I mean, if there were <laughs> cell phones around with LT and Whoa. his activities, yeah. not to mention social media and people weighing in on all of his movements every day, the thing is, I'm sure people would be ripping him to shreds and how he'd be a major distraction. You think the whole boat party thing, which was completely blown out of proportion, imagine LT at a club the night before a game, yeah. people would be like the audacity yeah. of an individual. But the funny thing about it is not, it would not have only been LT. It would have been, would have been nine a, or ten other players, players involved not, in all yeah, of that stuff. Times, but, yeah. but because LT was the he, basically the, the head honcho in that group of people, then he would have been the one that was de- – But uh, now remember, I, I played in three decades. I played in the 80s, the 90s, and 2000s. I, I have seen the game change <laughs> right in front of my eyes, folks. Back in the 80s, it was – in the early 90s, it was a different game. Uh, way before free agency started – it was, a, it was a different, different time when, you know, the camaraderie amongst players was there because nobody left. You couldn't leave. Teams you know, stayed together. They stayed yeah. together, and they the stayed Niners, together for Cowboys. years. And, and, you know, that camaraderie was built. And, and you talk about that camaraderie, and you know, maybe not so much character, but they were a lot of characters, like guys that were just funny as heck. And, and they, 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 you know, the whole premise behind being together – well, that happened. I mean, they stayed together for a while, and then free agency came, and then it broke up the league. That's what happened. Game completely changed. That's yeah. why you have parity across the board as opposed to when you played early in your career. There were like no, four or five no teams parody. that could legitimately yeah. win a Super Bowl. All right, we want to remind you, Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes. That is going to wrap up Tuesday's edition here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Appreciate all the phone calls. Yep. Try to get to some tweets off the air. For Jeff Fiegels, I'm Lance Meadow. We'll be back up and running on Wednesday at noon. We'll see you then. Have a good one.